Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. I'm Tim, and it's good to have you with us this morning. I know the sunshine just nice. I'm telling you, man, been cooped up forever in this uh, stuff. Glad you could be here today with us. Uh, we're in a series of lessons called It's All in Your Head. Aaron and I were praying just a minute ago, enjoyed praying with him. And uh, he says, man, this has been a good series. Uh, it really makes you think about what you're thinking about. And I, I agree, it's best with me too. It's, it's making me think about what I think about. I'm more aware of my thoughts. And one of the things I'm personally learning is that I choose my thoughts. I get to choose my thoughts. Nobody is holding a gun to my head or yours. That we get to choose our thoughts. We're, in fact, we're looking at a passage where the Apostle Paul is is thinking in a prison cell. He is doing a lot of thinking, putting a lot of mental energy into the circumstance and situation that he's in. And um, and he talks about uh, these things that we've been looking at uh, the last several weeks. I think next week we're going to wrap up this series. Uh, Gary is going to be preaching next week on things that are praiseworthy. He's going to be looking at that and wrapping it up. And then uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll be uh, introducing a new a new topic, a new sermon series. I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, let me say something first of all. Can we just be honest about something? And that is that uh, we we tend to gravitate toward beautiful things. Is that right? Yeah, we tend to gravitate. We tend to be attracted to beautiful things. I mean, a quick look at magazines or travel advertisement websites, entertainment, whatever you want to look at, tourist spots around the world, and they're all going to have something in common. It's probably going to be beauty. They show you the pretty beach or the pretty room. We're uh, looking at a uh, a trip to Disney World, and we're looking at the at how beautiful this little resort we're looking at. Oh wow, it's got all kinds of cool stuff in it. The cars, you know, there's radiator springs, and uh, there's uh, uh, just uh, finding uh, is it. Nemo, yeah, that, that, and, that's, and the swimming pool is just lush, and I'm like, why go to Disney World? I'll stay right here, you know? It's beautiful. Everything's pristine on the website. There's not a bunch of people laying around trash everywhere. It's beautiful, crisp, colorful, clean, nice. Fashion and beauty, when you look at fashion and beauty industry today, they make billions of dollars. Uh, they, they advertise knowing that you and I want beauty in our lives, and down deep inside we want to be beautiful. We want to be attractive. Apostle Paul talks about beautiful thoughts. When you stop and look at this passage on your notes, if you want, or up here on the screen, we've been looking at this passage. This is in the Good News Translation, Philippians 4. And from a prison cell he says these words, In conclusion, he's wrapping things up, My friends, fill your minds, he says, with those things that are good, that deserve praise, things that are true, noble, right, pure. Uh, I gave a hostess ding-dong to someone uh, during the Pure Thoughts series uh, or lesson, and he still has, he says, Tim, I haven't ate it yet. I said, my whole box is gone. <laughs> Pure thoughts. If you haven't heard that lesson, you got to go back and catch that one. That was fun. But notice this word lovely. You see that word lovely? I mean, if you would circle that one, that's what I want to look at today. Lovely. Fill your mind, she says, with lovely thoughts. Here's a guy in a, you know, danky, dampy, you know, 
musty smelling, chained to the wall prison, Roman prison cell. You know, Roman prisons were not known for their, you know, their nice and luxurious, you know, surroundings. And he is saying, I'm filling my mind with things like this. And one of them is lovely thoughts. Now, I'm a man. I don't think about lovely things much. A T-bone steak is lovely. I'll take that, you know. I mean, to a guy. But here's a guy who's thinking, he says, I'm thinking of lovely things, Tim. In fact, Philippians 4.8 in the easy-to-read version, look at this, uh, how it says it here. Think about what is true and honorable, right and pure and beautiful. And beautiful. You ever use the term, you say to some, maybe to your wife or your girlfriend or to somebody, you look lovely tonight. What are you saying? You look beautiful. Or you'll say, you'll even say this, you look divine. You look like one of the gods, you know. You look godly tonight, is what you're saying, when you look divine. And that's what this this word, uh, when we look at this word beautiful, you might think, or lovely, you might think of words like beautiful, attractive, or divine. But Paul is not talking about outward beauty here. That's because beauty is not limited to outward appearance. Am I right? I mean, it's it's not limited by outward appearance. He's talking about filling your mind and filling my mind with something that transcends physical features. And we see this all the time. We see somebody, we see a young person being considered of an older person, and we'll say, boy, that's beautiful to see. We'll see somebody help somebody alongside of the road. And besides being feeling relieved that you don't have to do it, you think, wow, that's cool. That's beautiful to see. I watched uh, uh, during the State of the Union address, um, you know, the presidents now since Reagan have been using people and they introduced people during their speech. And Trump, President Trump introduced uh, a person that survived Dachau. And he was he was a child at the time. And he stands up and is nearly 80-some years old, 70, 80 years old. And then next to him is a World War II veteran that's in his 90s that was there that released this very person. And they stand up holding each other. I don't know if you all caught that. It was beautiful. I started crying. These are old, crusty old men. Okay, Their youthful features are long gone. And yet they're... They radiate beauty, something lovely, something that draws us, that draws me in, that attracts me to what I'm seeing. And see, that's the Greek word behind this word lovely. It means something that's pleasing, something that's lovable, something that draws you in and attracts you. And he's saying, Paul's saying, you know, you need to fill your minds. I don't know. He says, I'm in a prison cell and I could think about how bad it is, the change, the guards, the noise, the unfairness, the injustice, but I'm going to fill my mind with a host of things and one of them I'm going to fill my mind with is lovely thoughts, beautiful thoughts, attractive thoughts, things that draw me and attract me. I'm wondering if maybe we didn't have services on purpose and I didn't get to preach on purpose last week. Mike did a wonderful job, you know. Maybe it's because I need a few weeks to really soak this in because I do not think about beautiful things. 
I don't think about lovely things. Well, you're a man. Well, I'm, a, I'm Tim. I'll just be honest with you. There's times I, I think about the negative, what could go wrong, what I'm worried about, what I'm afraid of. I don't think this is just a gill thing. It's probably all of us in some way, huh? We have these other thoughts, and lovely things just don't seem to... That just seems like, you know, a, a fluffy sermon, fluffy thought. I, yeah, I don't want that. And yet Paul says, oh, you do, Tim. Yes, you do, church. He tells the Philippian church, you need to fill your minds with lovely thoughts. Lovely things. Things that draw you. David would say these words in Psalms 27. One thing I ask from God, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. That just sends chills down me. David says, I want to be around you, Lord. I just want to sit back and just take it all in and gaze at your beauty, what makes you lovely. I'm drawn. Lord, you do things. You are things that draw me, that you're lovable, and you make me just come closer, and you draw me closer to you, and I want to, I want to just enjoy that. You ever been someplace so beautiful you can't take it in? It's just so, it's just, your eyes just start bleeding. I mean, you just can't take it all in. I've been to Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, on top of mountains, watch glaciers calf uh, in Alaska. All beautiful things. And I just sit there and go, oh, wow, there's, there's no, no, and I've, I've got all these pictures of Grand Canyon. And they never capture the immense size and beauty of that place. On my 40th birthday, I'm watching the sunrise at Grand Canyon. And I yell, I am nothing! And I hear a guy on Mather Point, the other place, and he yells, I am nothing too! Because <laughs> you just see the sunrise, the sunsets, and, and you just want to take it all in. You know, right now the weather is, we're getting some wonderful sunsets and some wonderful sunrises. And the stars are crisp. It's like you almost see all of them. And I'm just taken back by it. David says, Tim, I don't want a Grand Canyon. I'm not into the stars. I'm looking at one thing I want to take in. One thing I want to have. I want to gaze at the beauty of God. I want to see that. I want to just sit back and try to soak it all in. I know a photograph won't capture it. I'm just going to have to look and gaze and be in awe. There's a song we sing, You are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can, was it fathom or the depths of your love? You are beautiful beyond description, majesty enthroned above. And I stand, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. It's based on this passage right here. Holy God to whom all praise is due. I stand in awe of you. You're so beautiful. You're so lovely. I can't think of anything else. 
What's he looking at? It's not the face of God. He's not looking at the ears, the eyes, the nose, the muscles, the arm of God. Although the Bible talks about the arm of God, the eyes of God, the ears of God, the, you know, I don't know if it talks about the nose of God, but it talks a lot about, you know, physical features that we can identify with, but he's not into that. He's into something else. It's not his face. It's who God really is. What he's really like. And he goes, I just can't. Imagine, I, I can't just look at this quickly. I want to dwell on this for a while. I want to gaze on it. It's lovely thoughts like these that fill the Apostle Paul's mind as he sits in a prison cell. Lovely images and lovely ideas from above. They're attractive thoughts of God that draw him closer to God and nudge him a little further away from his circumstance so he can see what life's really about. And these thoughts that he's having are giving him joy under fire, peace under turmoil, confidence when it doesn't look like things are going well. Zechariah says this in the Amplified Bible, For how great is God's goodness and how great is His beauty. And I love this passage from from Moses. He writes this song, Moses now, Let the loveliness of our Lord, our God, rest on us. I want you to circle rest on us, would you? What's he talking about there? may, May God's beauty just not quickly pass by, but stay and rest upon us. I notice Moses and, and the Apostle Paul have figured something out. They choose their thoughts. And they are choosing to think about the loveliness of God. And both those guys went through the ringer. Both those guys had moments of setbacks, hardship, lonely times, discouraging times, unexpected things, blindsided at times. How'd they get through that? They let the beauty of God, the loveliness of God, Rest on them. Stay with them. You ever met a sightseer that's in a hurry? You're on vacation, you're with somewhere, and you see them coming running in, they take a quick picture, and they get in the car and take off. You're like, what are they doing? One time, Vernon Matthews and I went to Yellowstone together. And uh, it's springtime. And we're at Artist Point. If you've never been to Artist Point, it's a beautiful, beautiful waterfall set back with all this rock formation. And we walk up these... He's 80 years old, so it takes a while for us to get up the steps. We get up the steps at the top, and he's just standing there just looking at it. The waterfall's just massive, but it's far enough away you can't hear it. And there's... There's, you know, steam or or, uh, vapor coming off of it, and and you can just tell it's just a mighty waterfall. And I see why they call it Artist Point. It's a place you'd want to go and paint stuff. You know, you want to paint it. And he's just sitting there, and I'm thinking, what is he thinking? Could he be thinking this may be the last time I'll see this? And he's just taking it in. Guy walks up. Hey, would you like me to take a picture of you and your dad? And I go... I look at him, and he goes, What do you think, son? (laughs) I'd love it. And so I got a picture of Vernon and I, and we're sitting there with the artist pointing in the background. And we get the picture, and I'm ready to go, and he's not. 
Let's just take it in, Tim. You need to relax a little bit. Look at this. He's almost like he's saying, let this something that's lovely rest on you for a minute. Don't let it pass by too quick. Don't let this pass through your mind. Soak it in. Take it in. And that's what Moses is saying here. He's saying, don't just let it be a passing thought. Don't let it rush through your mind. Let it rest in your mind. I've got to confess to you this morning, this is something I'm not disciplined in. I tend tend to let worries have more mental energy than the wonders of God. I tend to let my worries and what what could happen, the, the, the negative possibilities of what could happen rest in my mind and stay a while, too long really, than I would the wonder and pleasure and purpose of God that could give me such peace and confidence of the future. So I got to thinking, I'm looking at the Scriptures, what are some lovely thoughts? Because that's something I don't do. It's a very difficult sermon. What are some, because I, I, I don't really dwell on these very much, as much as I think I should. And I come up with some ideas here. And number one, I realize how lovely God is through what God has made. If I want to capture the beauty of God, I just need to look at what He makes. When I think of lovely things and beautiful things, the most beautiful things I've ever seen have been made by the hand of God. You could probably say the same thing. Look at what it says here in Psalms 96. God made the heavens. Royal splendor radiates from Him. Does that sound beautiful? Royal splendor radiates from Him. A powerful beauty sets Him apart. In Psalms 14, David writes, The heavens are telling the glory of God. They are a marvelous display. That's another word for beautiful. They're a marvelous, a beautiful display of His craftsmanship. Let me ask you, does anybody have to tell you the stars are pretty? Does anybody have to say, those mountains are amazing? My mother sent me a picture of the Wachuca Mountains yesterday. They had snow like they've never had since she's lived there, since she's visited there. And in her backyard, there are the Wachuca Mountains, and they're covered in snow. And everything else is brown. It was beautiful. She goes, can you believe this? Nobody has to tell me that the mountains are spectacular. Nobody has to tell me that the sunrise or the sunsets are beautiful. Nobody has to say, isn't that beautiful? I hope you don't have to be reminded. I don't have to be. Why? Why are people on the river road grabbing their cameras and taking pictures? What are they taking pictures of? Eagles. Bald eagles. Why are these things so breathtaking? Why are they so beautiful? These beautiful creations of God come from the beautiful character of God. That's why they're so beautiful. They reflect the Maker. How beautiful He really is. How lovely He really is. Nature is God's self-portrait. It reveals not what He looks like, but what He is like. 
And since He's glorious, since He's marvelous, and since He's beautiful, everything He makes reflects His glory and beauty, including you. Huh? Including you. Look at it says here in Psalms 139. I thank God for making me so mysteriously complex. I know you might say, I know a lot of people that are complex. Mysteriously too. But let's read on. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. He's saying it's just beautiful beyond description. It simply amazes me to think about it. What are you thinking about here? What's the psalmist thinking about? He's thinking about how beautiful everything God has made and that He is a part of that creation too. He's saying, when I think about all you've made, how spectacular they are, that you made me too, I'm in awe of this. These these things that I see around me draw me close to you and then I look at myself and realize I've been made by your very hand and that you've spent... Most of your energy, most of your imagination, most of your power, most of your creativity on me. This year, um, Little Pray Bible Camp's theme is, we are God's workmanship. It's Ephesians 2. In the primary week, we're going to be doing a series of devotionals and lessons and crafts and things for our primary week children. We're calling it Masterpiece. These children need to know they are God's Masterpiece. I wish somebody had told me that when I was a kid. That I'm God's best work. Because there's times I don't think I'm much. And what's he do? He says, I'm so amazed at this, it draws me. It attracts me to you. I want to praise you, Lord. I want to praise you, God. I don't Listen, I want to worship. I don't want to worship me. I don't want to worship created things. I don't want to worship nature. I want to worship you. Somebody needs to hear what I'm about to say. God wanted to create you. God wanted to create you. Oh, you made a mistake. No, He didn't. I heard somebody one time say, God doesn't make junk. He created you on purpose Like I say, He put more desire and energy in the creation of you than He did of anything else He made. Now here's a lovely thought that I have because of this. Here's my lovely thought. I am created in God's image to display His beauty. Because this is true, just like the mountains are where they're supposed to be and the stars are where they're supposed to be, I am created in God's image to display His beauty as well. Look at this passage of Philippians 2. Paul's talking again from a prison cell. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Let me ask you, blameless and purity, is that pretty? Is that beautiful? A blameless person? Is that a beautiful person? That's a remarkable person, wouldn't you say? A pure person? Pure-hearted person. I've met some, I know some of you. I've known you long enough to know your hearts. And some of you got such pure hearts. I walk away just so humbled. And you're so attractive. You make Christ attractive to me. Because you have this purity about you. He says, so that you may become 
blameless and pure children of God. I don't know, last time I checked, my kids kind of look like me. And last time I checked my Bible, we're kind of supposed to look like God. We're children of God, so we kind of resemble our Creator. Without fault. Look, in a warped and crooked generation, I want you to be praying for me, and I'm serious about this. I'm, I'm reading way too much media, political media. It's driving me crazy. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? CNN, Fox, CBS, NBC, Flipbook, my news, news feeds. Filling my head with junk, junk. It takes discipline to go, I gotta think about, man, if you think about what's going on in our news and the way it's going on and all the, all the fake news and bad news and good news, it's all just all mixed up and jumbled together. It'd drive you crazy. You, you won't be an optimistic person. You, you will look at the future and, and go, I don't, I don't, I've heard some people in their seventies say, I'm kind of glad I'm about, about ready to leave. It's a warped and crooked place. It's a warped and crooked, he says, a crooked, crooked generation. He's saying, it's among people who are warped and crooked, distorted, distorted values, distorted views. I used to be a part of the United Methodist Church years ago. And my wife, begin to teach me the scriptures and I left the United Methodist Church. They're vote are they voting this weekend? Accepting same sex marriage? It's a crooked and warped generation. And it's going to take a person, it's going to take a believer that's going to have to be exceptional to stand out in this. Because, frankly, folks, a lot of churches, a lot of Christians don't stand out very much. We're blended in so much and so well with the rest of the world, they can't even tell. They can't, listen, and they're unable to see the beauty of God, the real beauty of God. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. What? Why is that there? Notice I read through that real fast the first time. I don't want to talk about that. Why? Because I'm a grumbler. I'm a whiner. I like to argue. He says, you can't do that, Tim. Why not? I'm in prison. And if there's ever opportunities to grumble and argue, I've got them. You've got to refuse it. Why? Because you were prone this earth to display the beauty of God. You were created to display the beauty of God. You're His masterpiece. So you're to shine like a star. And what's a star do? It shows the beauty of God. You're where you are. The stars are, and by the way, the mountains are where they're supposed to be. The stars are where they're supposed to be. The rivers are where they're supposed to be. And you are where you're supposed to be. Instead of trying to figure out how to get out of it, why not stay put and shine 
and display the beauty of God like you were made and I were made to be. You know what the thing is about... I, I've always, why, is this, why is this word, do not grumble and argue? Nothing ruins beauty like a bad attitude. Nothing destroys something beautiful like a grumbling, critical, disagreeable person, believer. So let me ask you a question. Are you displaying God's beauty this morning? Because you were made to do that. I was made to do that. Number two, I see how lovely God is through God's loving kindness. I think, how does that, what's that, what? How does that relate to the beauty of God? Well, look at this passage in Psalms 90 verse 17. Let the beauty and delightfulness and favor of the Lord our God be upon us. We just read that passage earlier. This is out of the Amplified Bible. And I notice that the Hebrew word here, the Hebrew word here for, for God's beauty is sweetness and kindness. In fact, some translations say, let the kindness of the Lord be upon us. Now let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Is there something attractive about people who are kind? Do you find kind people? Are you drawn to kind people? I am. And so is God. God is drawn to them. And God seems to think that kindness has something to do with being attractive. First Peter 3, this is written to women, but you could really take it for every believer as well. Don't try to make yourselves beautiful on the outside. Now this doesn't mean you're not supposed to wear makeup, ladies. I don't believe that's what he's teaching there. He's just saying your primary beauty comes from the inside, not the outside. Instead, make yourselves beautiful on the inside in your hearts, in your thoughts, in your attitude, with the enduring quality of a, does this sound like kindness? Gentle, peaceful spirit. And look what it says. This type of beauty is very precious in God's sight. God says, you look divine when we're like this. He says, you, man, you look beautiful. Why? Because you look like me. You have my qualities. See, kindness attracts God's attention. He really likes it. It, it. Kindness is beautiful in His eyes. And by the way, that's why He likes it. It's beautiful in His eyes. And we like it too. We're drawn to it. Because kindness, see, gives people, gives other people what they need and not what they deserve. Mother Teresa is a great example of that. I was reading about Mother Teresa. I've met people that have met Mother Teresa. And I don't know, last time I saw a picture of Mother Teresa, she turns heads the other way. I mean, you know, she's... Even when she was young, listen, even when she was young, she was homely. But the thing is, people will say she's one of the most beautiful people that's ever lived. But, but it's her kindness is the source of her beauty, kind of like what we're reading here in First Peter. In other words, to her, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. She would say it doesn't matter what you believe, because all that matters is that you get well. And that's why she 
was so kind to those lepers in Calcutta for so many years. What makes God so beautiful is His kindness to you and I. Again, look at this passage, Psalms 145. The Lord is kind and merciful, patient and full of love. When you think about the kindness of God, you think about Jesus Christ. He displayed God's kindness. Jesus was never condemning people right and left. He wasn't. He didn't name call anybody. He didn't embarrass people. He, unless you were a Pharisee, you were pretty good shape. You weren't going to get a lot. Those Pharisees deserved it. No, he was kind. He let. He he respected people's dignity. He didn't rub it in. He wasn't quick to condemn. He was kind, and it was for a reason. He was kind because he wanted people to get well. Look at Romans 2 here. Paul kind of chastises the the church in Rome. He talks about God. He has been very kind and patient, waiting for you to change. But you think nothing of his kindness. What is he saying? You don't think about something lovely. You need to think about something lovely here. Think about his kindness. Perhaps you do not understand that God is kind to you so you'll change your hearts and live. What's God thinking while He's being kind to you and I? He's thinking, I want you to be well. And when I, listen, when you and I dwell on the kindness of God, how kind He is to, He gives us, folks, He gives us what we need, not what we deserve. When I've realized that, it's going to change. It's going to change the way I think about things. It's going to change my life. So I see how lovely God is through what He's made. I see how lovely God is through His kindness, His loving kindness. And the last thing is I understand how lovely God is through God's ultimate act of love. You know, the most beautiful thing about God is His love. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love is what patient, love is kind. He keeps no records of wrongs. It doesn't boast always perseveres, always trusts. But one of the things it does say about love is it's not self-seeking. It's self-giving. And it's this kind of love that's seen in Jesus Christ. Jesus brings out the beauty of God. Prophet Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah 4 too. I thought this was a very interesting passage. It talks about the Messiah. He goes, In that day the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. And then later on, Isaiah would say in Isaiah 53, He grew up, talking about Jesus again, He grew up before Him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him. Nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. There's been a big debate of what does Jesus look like. And you've got the paintings where He's got the nice tan and the blue eyes and the nice flowing hair like he's living in the 70s and then you've got you've got the jesus who looks kind of like he's confused you know maybe he's he doesn't know where he's lost his car at walmart and he can't find it and then you've got the hey the jesus with the big thumb and he's going and he's like thumbs up pal you know like like some hippie from the 60s and then you got a jesus that they they believe They've concocted that they think this might be what he looks like. He looked like a terrorist. He looks like a, an Arab. Just a typical Arab person. In fact, the Bible says there's nothing about him that stood out. Not like Saul, who was head and shoulders above everybody. 
Not like David, who was kind of ruddy and, you know, freckles, I think of Danny. Maybe even a gap between his teeth. You know, he just had all that going for him. Now Jesus kind of blended in. And why doesn't the Bible give us a description of Jesus, how tall he was and what color were his eyes? Maybe it's because his beauty wasn't about his appearance, but by what he did, by his character. Look what it says in Hebrews 1-3 here. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. Boy, that just sounds beautiful, doesn't it? The dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature, His mirror image. See, Jesus didn't show us what God was like by being similar to Him. He showed us what God is like by being the same as Him. So when Jesus says these words that we're about to look at, He's talking about the beauty of God. When He says to to a crowd of people and His disciples, And when I am lifted up from the earth... I will attract all people toward me. Listen to me. Listen to me, church. The cross isn't pretty. It's beautiful. The cross isn't pretty. It's an old rugged cross used to kill people. But what happened on that cross, on that particular cross, was beautiful beyond description. And it's a lovely thought I want to have dominating. I want to rest on my mind. I want to rest on your mind this morning. Because when you have that kind of thought like that, aren't you just drawn? Don't you want to gaze at the beauty of God? Looking at the cross and seeing what was happening there, I know when you look at pictures of the cross and paintings of the cross, you know, they've got Jesus, he's the crown of thorns and the, the wound on his side. It looks so ugly. It's beautiful. Because what's happening is we see the incredible generosity and selflessness of God to you and I. This self-giving, generous beauty of God's love. I don't know. I, I think God would just, that's why, maybe that's why we take it every week. We take this Lord's Supper every week to help us remember, to look at that and, and take our minds off of what we're worried about, what we're afraid of, what we're hurt about, or disappointed with. Second Corinthians 8, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. He's talking about giving to help another church out. There's, a, there's to help some other Christians because there's a famine. He says, You are familiar with the generosity of our Master, Jesus Christ. Rich as He was, He gave it all away for us. In one stroke, He became poor and we became rich. There's that generosity. There's that ultimate act of God's love. With a stroke, He says, He just, in one moment, He displayed His Greatest act of love. Why should I have this thought on my mind? Why should I have lovely thoughts like these on my mind? Because whatever fills my mind is coming out of my life. So question, what's been coming out of your life? It's based on what you've been thinking about. You know, what, what's been coming out of your mouth lately? Complaining? 
excuses, whining, arguing, ingratitude. What's been coming out of, out of your life? Selfishness. Because when you have these lovely thoughts, let me tell you what's going to happen when you start thinking these lovely thoughts. When you start filling your mind with the beauty of God, you'll see opportunities to serve and you'll do it. You'll, you will, you'll see opportunities to shine at work or at home or with your friends out somewhere and you'll, and you'll be the exception. You'll, you will stand out like a star and you'll display the beauty of God. Our, listen, church, our community right now, our world right now needs to see how attractive God is. They just, they need to see this. There's no one like Him. When I have thoughts like these, I'll make sacrifices to see other people saved. When lovely thoughts like these rest on my heart and fill my heart, then my life will display the beauty, how, how beautiful God really, really is. You have a card in your, in your bulletin, and um, it's a time to respond to this lesson. Maybe you need prayers from someone. Maybe you need to make a decision. I need to get serious with my mind, with my thinking. I need to discipline my mind. I need to focus my mind. I need to start filling my mind with these things that Paul's talking us about. But maybe today, maybe you've, you've just forgotten. I remember Stephanie, I've told, said this before many times. I remember Stephanie saying to me one time, Tim, if we could just imagine how much God protects us from, if we just realized that. Here she was dying of cancer and saying to me, there's so many things that I believe God is protecting me from. And I'm, I'm going to choose God as good. I'm going to believe God loves me, and He's kind to me, and He made me to display His beauty. Where do you need to display God's beauty? Is it in your marriage? With your children? school when you're out at a restaurant in public when you're driving down the road the beauty of God needs to be seen not just from nature and it does a marvelous job but from his people so let's take a moment as we sing a song you can fill out your card if you like and we're glad that you're here Glad you've come this morning. Hope you've been blessed by this, by these thoughts today. And uh, we're going to also take up our collection. We just want to remind you, if you're a guest here, you're under no obligation to give when the plates pass by. Nobody's going to think you're weird or something. Um, this is just for our members. And so um, we, we encourage all of our members, you know, to be giving. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we took a hit because we weren't able to collect anything, you know. And so... Um, just be thinking about that as we, uh, we're going to pray here and then we'll sing a song and let you work on those cards. Father, thank you so much for your beauty. Father, thank you for being so lovely. We are drawn to you. We are drawn, Father. Nature reminds us 
These beautiful things we see remind us of how lovely you really are. And Father, your kindness, there's no one as, no one as kind as you. No one as kind as you, Father. You're full of kindness and so patient. And you're being kind and you're patient to us, Father, because you want us to change. You want us to grow. You want us to repent. And Father, we pray that you'll help us this morning appreciate how lovely you are, to think about it more often. Let your beauty, Father, rest on us a lot this week. A lot. As we go through, as we meet situations and circumstances that are hard, Father, to deal with. Father, thank you for your ultimate act of love. Thank you for your son's display. It's the dazzling, radiant display of your splendor. Thank you for making the cross beautiful. Father, help us to appreciate and be grateful for your generosity. And let these lovely thoughts lead us to beautiful opportunities to display how lovely you are. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.